What's up, you guys? It is a chilly evening here in the Midwestern United States, but it's about to get hot this weekend. We got AEW Full Gear taking place in New Jersey. I got a great crew on the line here with me to talk about it. It's episode 274 of Top Rope Nation. I'm Ryan Drosty, your host, as always, here with two guest co-hosts tonight. Justin Joint, still on paternity leave. Kyle Ross just recorded a bonus show yesterday, an hour and 25 minutes, Top Rope Nation Extra, with good friend of the pod, Michael Jenkinson. They looked back at the best Survivor Series elimination matches in history. If you're a patron, you can hear it right now. If you're not a patron, there'll be a teaser going up on the main feed real soon. Join the Patreon page so you can hear it. But uh, because of that, you know, Kyle working overtime gave him the night off so that I could be joined by these two fine gentlemen right here. Let me introduce them to you. First off, making his very first appearance on Top Rope Nation. He's a patron of the show. In fact, he's a Hall of Fame tier patron of the show. So he was he is cashing in his benefit to join us live. It's none other than Matthew from the Southern Fried WrestleCast. Matthew is, as I found out the other night, a huge Dragon Gate fan, a big <laughs> mid-2000s Ring of Honor fan, and also a big fan of Vader. Matthew, welcome to Top yeah. Rope Nation. Yeah, thank you so much for the delightful welcome. I am very happy to have uh, paid my way into success like any part, <laughs> like any good uh entertainer out there i hope to uh fill the void that is justin and kyle it it'll be very difficult especially since i'm sober but i'll see what i can do <laughs> no alcohol feel going on here no just water no, the glass no me. no it seems like we have it seems like people get spicy enough these days without alcohol in their system <laughs> that is true that is true. Well, look, like I said, we talked the other night, had a, a nice Zoom call. I had, to, You know, I got to screen these guests, make sure you're all right. And uh, some good insight <laughs> on pro wrestling. And I think you're going to be great tonight as we break down the full gear card. And also joining us, he's back. It hasn't been a long time. He's back again. He was on the show three weeks ago. He's been on many times before. Of course, he is the host of Wrestling Unplugged and Undeniable, one of my favorite wrestling podcasts out there. Great friend of the show patron of the show as well a solid voice in the wrestling media over at se scoops and he just recorded his 100th episode of wrestling unplugged and undeniable earlier today i believe jesse previewing full gear so you're going to get a double dip on that tonight jesse velasquez welcome back to top Rope nation before i touch on that i'm going to use this analogy especially if the patrons are going to completely appreciate this you can call me 1996 to 1998 McFoley when it comes to my contributions to this show. I can main event a pay-per-view and steal it with Shawn Michaels. I can open a major pay-per-view with Hunter Hearst Helmsley at SummerSlam 97. I'm a utility man. I do whatever you ask of me, and I'm very, very thankful once again to be gracing the airwaves on Top Rope Nation. Hell yeah. 
I love that analogy. Great stuff. And, you know, Jesse, looking At forward to this weekend. say you were 1996 Shawn Michaels. That, that <laughs> might have gotten a little dark for people. <laughs> Not quite there yet. <laughs> I don't know. He, he is a little like 1996 Shawn Michaels because, you know, you guys don't hear this. But before we go on the air, I'm like, you know, any last comments, guys, that you want me to make sure to get in. And, and Jesse always really lays it in. He's like, brother, you better really put me over when you introduce me or I will never do this show again. You know, JV lays down for absolutely nobody. So, I mean, this guy's got a big head. <laughs> yeah, that didn't work for me, brother. <laughs> no, but Jesse, I'm looking forward to this weekend because the last AEW pay-per-view, All Out, which was newsworthy for several reasons, as we discussed many times on this show, including the last time you were on here. Uh, Jesse, we actually attended that show together. You, myself, good friend of the pod designer the graphic designer for top rope nation came up with our logo tim jensen we were all there in chicago and this weekend us three are going to watch the show again together we won't be there in person but you're coming down to iowa to hang out looking forward to it i'm psyched it gave me a great excuse to visit one of the finest breweries in the country toppling goliath yes sir De decora zone and it's a pretty scenic area of, of northeastern iowa so it's going to be it's going to be a fun saturday that is for sure. As I no said, no offense, mate, but there's scenic areas of Iowa. <laughs> believe it or not, there. Have you ever been to Iowa, Matthew? Uh, I have passed through it on a train once. That was <laughs> was fun. that Am Amtrak? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Very southern Iowa it goes through. Yeah, northeastern Iowa by the Mississippi is is very hilly, lots of bluffs. It's actually a pretty pretty nice area. Not as flat as the southern part of the state. Uh, so and yeah, great breweries. We have some great beer. Toppling Goliath is world renowned. They have bottle releases there. They've had I've been up there for bottle releases, and there's people that have flown in from Europe for them. It's crazy. So I'm hoping they have something on tap that's rare for us this weekend. We shall see. And I'm yeah. looking forward to it as well. And then we're gonna make our way down here, and we're gonna watch the pay per view tonight here on the show. We're gonna preview all of the matches, give you guys our picks, our thoughts on the matches. Uh, Jesse, I wanted to point out, you know, with MJF in the main event, you just wrote a tremendous column for SE Scoops. I believe it just published yesterday on MJF's five best matches so far. We'll see if his match with John Moxley cracks that top five in your opinion afterwards. But everyone should check that out. I believe it's in, it's in the top story slider on SE Scoops right now. So check it out. And if you're on our video stream right now, you are seeing the names of our fabulous patrons scrolling across the bottom i don't believe i have called out i know i did on a on a an extra or a classic show over on patreon on the bonus shows but on the main feed i got to give a shout out to aiden o'connell who recently joined as a patron we are at 43 strong now gotta have a goal gotta come up with a goal for our our 50th patron we gotta brainstorm some ideas for that uh but yeah still, well, still I gave going you a strong. great suggestion yesterday what was that one again? I, you did. Like I Kyle, get a new mic. Oh, yes. Yes. We could use the funds to get Kyle a new <laughs> mic. We were talking about technology. And yeah, one of the reasons we were Zooming, myself and Matthew, is I was showing him some tricks of the trade with podcasting. And uh, that's a benefit you get on the Hall of Fame tier. And we were talking about that. And I said, you know, Kyle could probably use a new mic. So maybe, maybe we should do that for 50. But no, it's it's a great way to support the show. You get early access to our podcasts. If they're pre-recorded and not live like this one, you get all of the bonus content. Uh, almost 100 bonus shows now. Next week, we're going to be recording the next Top Rope Nation Classics on World Class 
Wrestling Star Wars 83. Really deep diving, going way back to the early 80s. Looking forward to that one. And as I mentioned at the top, you know, we had uh, Top Rope Nation Extra with Kyle and Michael Jenkinson dropped just yesterday. So if you join up, you can get access to that. So without any further ado, let's talk AEW Full Gear 2022. I am going to throw it to you first, Jesse, because as I mentioned, we attended the last AEW pay-per-view. Let me just ask you off the bat, where is your maybe excitement level? Or maybe that's not the best way to put it. Like, how do you feel this show has been built in comparison to All Out? Do you feel the build has been better for this show? Like, up and down the card, about the same, not quite as good? What are your, what are your thoughts on the build to Full Gear, Jesse? I actually think that it's slightly better. And I know that's a little bit contrarian to what I have been seeing in a lot of my circles. But we're looking at 10 matches. That's a huge bonus because it's we're not going to be sitting in front of our televisions for five. Now it'll probably be about four, four and a quarter. Yeah. So we have that to look forward to as well. But And I know that there have been a kind of a lot of roundabout booking going on in AEW and some of the undercard matches aren't to people's specifications, specifically the storytelling. There's maybe too much of a Ring of Honor infusion going on. I know I've been hearing that a lot. However, I do feel that most of these matches have at least had about a month's worth of stories to it. And that's what gives me a slightly, I'd say a little bit more hype, a little bit more confidence that this show is going to deliver because I do believe that most of the talent that is in the ring are of world-class caliber. They always, AEW usually delivers in-ring without a hitch. That's not a problem. They have always been on the higher aspect of the storytelling until we would probably argue the last maybe three, four, five months. So, now we can just see if we're going to get some of that storytelling magic back. I have a little hope for that, but I do also have a lot of hope moving forward with post full gear as they rebound and hope maybe move into a new regime at the top of the card as well. Mm-hmm. Matthew, what, do you, what are your thoughts on that question? My thoughts are decidedly mixed. Um, <laughs> I will choose the coward's way out and take the middle road. Um, (laughs) I think some of the storytelling has been really good with, um, with regards to the, to the build to this show. However, there's, there's some general wonkiness uh, with a lot of the stories that I see um, from week to week on Dynamite. Uh, particularly, I feel, with the main event story right now, with what they're doing with MJF, so much of my opinion on that is probably going to be determined based off of uh, how that match goes. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I I can't say I'm, a, I'm that excited about some of the other undercard things. I, I think... I think we have a couple of programs that are just a little long in the tooth and could use a bit of a breather. Mm-hmm. I I would agree with a little bit with both of you. Definitely Jesse's take. I do think it has been built up better than All Out. Um, it's definitely a very top-heavy card. Um, I, I feel like it's been built 
not outlandishly, like very basically, you know, they've really concentrated on a couple of matches and, and laid them out pretty well. Although I do think they might have got a little, well, too, maybe a little too many people involved with the main event here on, on the go home show. We'll talk about that when we talk about MJF and, and Moxley. But, you know, overall, I feel like it's been a logical build. The matches make sense. Uh, you know, we oftentimes when we preview these AEW pay-per-views, we're talking about how you know, they, they really cram it in all at the last second. We don't even really know what the card's going to be until a couple of weeks before the show. But this one has been developing for quite a while. So, I mean, I, I think overall the build for the, you know, the tag title match and uh, the main event, I think uh, the build for Britain, Soraya has been pretty good. Um, and, you know, they've been teasing the elite. And now we got the reveal that the elite are going to be there against Death Triangle. So I think that's been built up well over several weeks. I love the vignettes that they did with, you know, them being erased from AEW history and everything. I think, uh, I think Joe has been pretty solid on the microphone and, and building up his, the triple threat with Wardlow and powerhouse Hobbs. Can't complain too much there. So, you know, there's a couple of matches. I get, we always say this where, Probably, you know, I mean, you, you said this in the in the SE Scoops predictions piece today that I edited, uh, Jesse, that, you know, do we do we really need to see Jeff Jarrett on a pay-per-view in 2022? And I, I would agree with you there. I mean, <laughs> they could have like main evented a dynamite with that match. To me, it's not really pay-per-view quality. I mean, I get why they're putting it on there. But, you know, the, the card is slightly less matches than All Out. You know, like I was I was looking at the length of this card uh, as of right now, unless they, you know, add some more, a couple more, hopefully not. But right as of as we record, there's one pre-show match and 10 main card matches. Um, now, All Out had four pre-show matches and 11 main card matches. Uh, Double or Nothing had 12 main card matches with one on the pre-show. And Revolution, yeah, that one only had nine only nine matches on the main card with three on the pre-show. So at least they're, they are starting to condense it a little bit. It's still a little long for me, but well, um, Tony yeah. is very conscientious now of the length of these cards because he just <laughs> will not stop bringing it up on these media talks. <laughs> right. Yeah. He did the, the media scrum uh, or, or the, the call in scrum, you know, earlier today, not a, a lot of news came out of that. You know, I, I read the rundown. I was at work, so I couldn't participate this time. I've, I've done it before. Um, but, uh, you know, again, can't really comment on, on CM Punk. Uh, it doesn't sound like the Briscoes are going to be coming in anytime soon, uh, as we were talking about off air. But, you know, other than that, not a, not a lot of news coming out of that. Uh, now, hopefully, for Tony's sake, the post-show scrum will be less newsworthy this time than last time, Jesse, as we were driving back to our hotel and you were giving us the play-by-play from the backseat and all the madness happening in Chicago. So... Uh, I, I think AEW is just really hoping for a a weekend where they have a solid show and everyone talks about the good wrestling and that's it. <laughs> keep it keep it simple as you as you said, Jesse. Get into a new era, maybe with a different world champion. You got the elite back, maybe doing some new things there, and they can get this thing back on the rails. So, uh, I, I think we should just start with the main event, and uh, you know, I'm sure that's what everyone wants to hear us talk about, and then we can work our way through the rest of the card. So Moxley and MJF, um, everybody in the SE Scoops predictions article where I edit and, and Jesse writes, everybody picked MJF to win this match. So I know, Jesse, you're expecting MJF to win, 
Matthew, are you expecting MJF to walk away world champion? Ooh, you know, I actually thought about this all day while I was trying to uh, think of exactly what I would say. And I, I'm not fully sold on MJF winning. I, I think there is a very distinct possibility that Moxley walks away with it. Um, the storyline seems to be that he is swearing up and down that he is going to try to win this clean. So he's either going to try to cheat, which I think mm-hmm. a lot of people kind of expect. He's still calling himself the devil on mm-hmm. television. Um or he's actually going to try to to wrestle the match clean, lean even further into this quasi babyface uh, uh, character run that he's kind of having, and just get completely played by it and get out wrestled by Mox and lose. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I, I'm leaning towards Moxley winning, but on the other hand, I'm also looking at it. It's like the, who's left there for Moxley to challenge afterwards. Uh, judging from the state of the world title limited tournament, um, mm-hmm. there's a, I can't say there's a lot of compelling folks there right now, but who knows? Maybe they, yeah. maybe they got we- something up their sleeves. Maybe, maybe they finally go all the way with uh pack. If he breaks off from, from the Lucha bros. Well, we know John Moxley was supposed to have that vacation after All Out, so he's probably ready to take some time off. Uh, Jesse, why don't you re- reiterate to our listeners, based on what you wrote in your column earlier, um, what do you think is going to be happening at Full Gear? You mentioned John Moxley in vacation. That was mentioned on my 100th episode as well with his odd promo last night where he looked lost at times and I, we we all were thinking that he is kind of in vacation mode after he looked mentally the, checked out he wasn't <laughs> sure if the pay-per-view was on saturday or sunday <laughs> that's not like yeah. john moxley we'll give him a pass because he has carried this brand all year long ever since he came back from rehab he has without a doubt been the mvp of aew so I will give him a pass there. It's MJF's time. Moxley made some great points last night in his promo in how in the world a guy that hasn't won, a, he's won one singles match in six months. Mm-hmm. Meaning lost to Punk at Revolution, lost to Wardlow at Double or Nothing, and took some time off after a wonderful promo where he dropped the F-bomb on Tony Khan. However, I think... Absence makes the heart grow fonder. And when he got back to Chicago, when he was revealed as the Joker with the Rolling Stones song, and it was just, it was magical. The fans instantly knew, we're like, we've been longing for this guy for a long time. He's been groomed for this position almost since, I would say, I would say since his loss to John Moxley at All Out in 2020. So what I see happening here would be. A William Regal turn. Mm-hmm. I think it's time. I think that they're they're just playing Moxley right now, kind of like a fiddle. And 
William Regal himself has actually kind of laid a seed or two if you've been hearing some of the things that he's been saying on his podcast recently. So I, I just think it's it's time to, to go to the future, the present, the now of Maxwell Jacob Friedman with William Regal as a manager. Firmly establish a heel, which Matthew, you made an excellent point, who in the world Moxie's going to face because we could argue right now with MJF being a tweener in a lot of folks' eyes that Swerve Strickland's the top heel right now in AEW. So you need to, we need to find another heel. And I think you just go right back to the number one heel you had. You have him do something dastardly to, to win this match, and that's the way to go. Yeah, I I am not sold on this idea of MJF as a babyface champion. I my inclination too is that Regal. You know, I mean, why else would they have done that promo between the two of them a few weeks ago? Like, it makes sense for Regal to get involved. As you said, he's kind of been teasing some things. Um, yeah, I I have to pick MJF. You know, I think it's very predictable. But I've said this on the pod before that predictable is not always bad in pro wrestling. It means that something's being done well, you know, and it just makes all the sense in the world for MJF to win here. I think, you know, what happened on Wednesday with the firm getting involved and attacking, uh, you know, Regal and Moxley and then MJF comes out and then he clears them out, too. I think if they came out and they like cost MJF the match or something, that would be real bad, especially on a pay-per-view. So I don't really see that happening. Obviously, they could come out and they could help him win. But I think Regal turning and to really cement MJF still as a heel is what makes the most sense. Um, I mean, you Can look they towards... Come out and help? Is it possible for the firm to come out and help MJF win and that be a satisfying story after how hard they've kind of gone into... Uh, MJF and the firm not being on the same page. They I mean, put yeah, just to swerve people. Ago. Right. So that's what, you know, what they would do to, to swerve you, for lack of a better term, is, you know, oh, we were working together all along. That's, yeah, that's that, pro that's, wrestling. That's what the, that's definitely what one particular uh, person in pro wrestling really <laughs> used to love <laughs> right, to do. Exactly. And, and as, as we have complained sometimes on the pod, sometimes it seems like they're trying to play into those creative decisions too much over the last year so like those inspired creative decisions like what they would do in connecticut so hopefully that is not the case um and you know we'll see what happens but i think i think regal turning makes sense mjf to me has to walk out world champion i i liked the go home segment to what you were talking about jesse i thought moxley i thought i liked his promo overall um, he did get tripped up with the day the pay-per-view was, and then he had the line where he was trying to make the point that what MJF did in Vegas was like Brian Pillman back in the day, but he got all tongue-tied and it didn't really come out. That's what he was trying to say. Um, so I, I like that line if he could have got it out <laughs> properly. But, I mean, overall, Moxie always kind of behaves like that on the mic, you know, like a little bit out there. And, and I, I liked what he said overall. I thought MJF was really good when he came out too. You know, so to me, it was it was a decent enough go home segment. I didn't think the two slip ups by Moxley really harmed it too much, um, but yeah, I, I have to go with MJF here. I I gotta believe he's gonna walk out champion. It's gonna be very very similar to the the parallels I'm gonna use will be Survivor Series '98 Corporate Rock when he mm-hmm. when he won the tournament and he immediately flipped back heel after having a nice little tweener run in in 98 i remember he had a steel cage match that i believe was referenced in our group as being one of the top matches of september and 
So, yeah, I mean, I could definitely see the parallels here going with the young guy, the hot young hand, and let, let's go. Or yeah. to use the parallel that I know Mr. Friedman is very familiar with, uh, Punk's ROH title win, where the fans were completely behind Punk uh, when he finally won the ROH title, and then he immediately turned hard on them afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think with what's what's happened with the firm and you know him kind of turning his back on them and everything, what they could do leaning into that is you know we got the Eliminator tournament going on, and if Ethan Page were to walk out with that, it makes sense. You know, MJF to defend against Ethan Page, uh, winner is coming, <laughs> and you know they could do that. So a know, very I cold know. winter is coming if we're putting <laughs> Ethan Page in a title well, world well, here's title the, match. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. The other thing is. Maybe Ricky Starks, as you alluded to, I believe, in the predictions piece, uh, Jesse. I don't really want to see Ricky Starks, though, because I just feel like the ceiling for that guy is so high that I I don't really want to see him in a world title match. I could see why you would pick that. Um, but it's it's got to be MJF retaining this early in his reign. So Ethan Page, who is starting to, you know, if you follow the guy, he is a super talented guy. I have always thought he could be doing more than when he was paired with Dan Lambert, you know, like because he wasn't allowed to talk at all, and the guy can talk. And so, I mean, I think you can build him up for an interesting enough title match on television, you know, uh, give him time to build it, go play into the the past with the firm and MJF, and I think it works fine for a television title defense. So, Paige has been the most underutilized guy, I feel, in AEW over the last year and some change, so... I think I would have liked a little bit longer build for this as opposed to dark elevation and dark matches. So mm. I, I would have liked a couple more wins on TV before this tournament kicked off. And him beating Eddie Kingston, oh, it just it breaks my heart to see where Eddie is right now, too. Yeah. Yeah, Eddie I'm, Kingston could have been a good interim champion. We said it on the pod many times. I mean, a lot of steam going into the summer. I guess I will be the one person who says I've never been that high on Ethan Page. I've followed this man's career since Evolve. Um, even maybe a little bit before that, he was in ROH as part of that top prospect tournament years and years and years ago. Um, but I, I, I can see all the individual things that he has. It just never comes together with this guy. And I've all... and. It feels like for a decade now I've been hearing talk about this man's potential and what and what he's going to do when he finally hits it. And it's like you've you've had years now to hit it. You chose to be Karate Man instead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the the closest you've gotten I felt was the North and Impact. I, I think he's I think yeah. he's fine when you need a good heater or something, but I I don't feel inspired to see Ethan Page world title contender. Well, I mean, to your point, he ain't going to win the world title, Matthew. So that's pretty much the role. That's pretty much the role he'll be serving is, you know, give him this, this uh, title shot on a, uh, not much notice, a, a MJF probably retaining it. And that's that. But yeah, to me, like Ricky Starks, I just feel like they could do so much more with him, and he saved that a little bit. But, I, I mean, I could see it what it do. We'll see. It's not like it's the most star-studded uh, tournament for a championship opportunity. No. It, so it it's also, not like a blowout. It also option. kind of feels 
like not the right time to be giving Ricky another big loss, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, all right. This is going to be an easy one. Or do you have something else? Anyone have anything else before we move on? Okay. This will be an easy one. Tag title match. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I don't think there's any hope in hell of swerving our glory, uh, recapturing the tag team titles. Uh, we saw Anthony Bowens lo- lose to swerve clean on Wednesday night. The acclaimed is one of the most overacts in the promotion. Again, zero chance they lose here. Uh, I think the better question would be, what did you guys make of the music video the other night? (laughs) (laughs) What did we think of that, Jesse? I love Captain Insano. Yes. (laughs) Oh my gosh, they've been, yeah, they've been teasing this for about a year online. So I definitely enjoyed that aspect of it. It had a lot of 97 Puff Daddy Mace bad boy vibes to it for me. It, it came off. That ain't good. That ain't good, Jesse. It's Yeah, I mean, we, we can pay homage to Kyle Ross here. It's not effing good, Ryan. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, no, I mean, just going into this match, though, you're right. Two out of three. Let's, let's get it over with. The acclaimed are going to win. And it's been a long overdue story for Swerve Strickland and Keith Lee to break up. And Swerve has done a tremendous job where he went heel at All Out because us in the Chicago crowd became the biggest acclaimed fans in the entire world for a night. And it helped them, help get them over and get them in this position. It's the only time that we've ever questioned a booking decision where can we talk to to the referee in there to tell the guys to actually change the outcome of the match because this crowd's going to absolutely crap on it. So, yeah, the acclaim are going to go over here. Swerve is going to break off, and I look forward to hopefully seeing him and Keith Lee break through in the singles division over the course of the next 12 months. Yeah, I like I like that. Matthew. Yeah, there's, there's just, I think we're past the expiration date on Swerve and our goal and our glory. It, it was a fun team that kind of served its purpose, and now we have a tremendous act that's really over. If you look at the quarter hours, they're, um, the acclaimed are usually one to one to peak quarter hours, especially with males eighteen to thirty four. They're they're super popular right now, and you just you got to ride that as hard and as long as you can. Um, so obviously you do. I believe you're going to have to go with the acclaimed here. Uh, as for what happens next, Swerve is a guy who came in just ready to be a top guy. He oozes charisma. You see it in everything that he does that he has it. He knows exactly what he is and what to be. And if the crowd at Chicago didn't turn him heel, the people at the press scrum certainly probably turned him heel by asking him four times, I think, hey, do you guys think you should have lost instead of the acclaimed? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which has to be a really fun question to field when you're sitting there as the tag champions. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, and to, and to Jesse's point about the, you know, swerving our glory splitting and going the singles direction that is what i kept saying in the crowd during that match at all out because 
I was I was pretty pissed that Acclaim didn't win. <laughs> you remember? I was like, oh my god, why? How did they not do this? And I kept saying, I like Swerve in Our Glory, but these guys can both be great single stars. Where the Acclaim is clearly this overact. They should have switched the titles. And you know, we we knew they would eventually get to it, and that they would do it at Grand Slam as they did. Uh, it's probably fine, but the moment was not nearly as good. I mean, the match wasn't as good. The crowd response wasn't quite as good as Chicago. I still pretty firmly believe they should have done it at All Out. It probably doesn't matter that much either way. But that was my point. I kept making to you in the crowd is like, yeah, but I mean, Swerve and Keith Lee, these are great singles guys. I feel like they they were growing into the tag team, and they're still a fine tag team. But I want to see them get some singles burn personally. Zach Haydorn and I, shout out to Patreon, Zach PW Torch. We actually predicted that Swerve in Our Glory would win the match. We were probably two of about 200 people mm-hmm. worldwide that chose that. Yeah. We had we had felt that the acclaimed hadn't really had that great of a build over the couple of months where they, if I recall, they lost to the gun club in a match even prior before this tag team title match even took place. And then mm-hmm. I mean, we're obviously FTR is not on the card again, and we they will get inserted into the title picture at some point in 2023. So, no, I mean, again, the, the right decision was made for the acclaim to go over at Grand Slam, but and give them a lengthier run. So this yeah. should make it a slam dunk choice here at Full Gear. Yeah. I just wanted to say one thing. I- as far as matches that go up and down the card, I feel like this has been one of the best built programs for the pay-per-view on top of everything else. And it's interesting because I don't think you would have gotten uh, this match again so soon if uh, TK was still strictly adhering to the ranking system like he was earlier in the year. Yeah, that's a good point. Since yeah, since loosening up on it, we we're seeing we're seeing more rematches, but at the same time, we're getting we're able to get a story like this be able to play out uh, in a timely fashion when all the characters are in the right place for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree on the build. I think, like I said at the top, this one, the world title match, you know, Saray and Britt Baker have gotten good television time and their promos and building up that one. Uh, probably to a lesser extent because it was teases, but you know, death triangle and the elite, we've been building up to the elite coming back and that's going to happen kind of an indirect build there. Uh, but I think, yeah, I think they've really concentrated on the top of the card and, and built it up pretty solidly. Uh, let's just go right into the Soraya and Britt Baker match because this one could be an interesting discussion because Britt was really leaning into kind of being a baby face with that backstage promo that she had on <laughs> Wednesday night, which is interesting. But at the same time, you know, if this is this isn't scripted television and this is real sports and you, you have this person coming in saying this is my house when she's never had a match in the promotion. And you got Britt Baker, who has been kind of one of the very tip top stars uh, in the women's division, certainly. But even I could go for, so far as to say in the entire promotion. I mean, when you go to these AEW live events, there's Britt Baker shirts everywhere. I mean, she moves merchandise. She is one of their tippy top stars. So, you know, if, if I'm watching this without any bias at all, I'd be like, who, the, who does she think she is? Britt Baker's been here for years. And, you know, um, another part of that, if, if you're looking at this like it's all real life, you know, uh, Soraya made the comment that, you know, Britt's only been on television for three years and, you know, she's been to Madison Square Garden. I mean, 
Paige in WWE, her main roster run was what, about three years? I mean, I didn't really consider NXT wasn't national television. I mean, it's roughly equal, to be honest with you, when her, <laughs> unfortunately, her injury happened. Uh, and then she was around, you know, doing backstage stuff but and non-wrestling stuff. Um, but, I mean, really, on national television, wrestling-wise, are pretty, pretty equal. So I thought it was interesting to see Britt lean into this babyface thing because I was curious if she was going to get cheered in the match anyways, which, you know, says a lot about her because it is really cool to see Soraya be able to perform again, given what she's gone through. I hope that she is legitimately healthy and they're not rushing her in when they when she shouldn't be wrestling. We're not privy to the medical information, so... You know, hopefully uh, everything Tony works actually out. made a comment about that during the scrum, how he signed Soraya before he before she was actually cleared based yeah. off of her word that she could get cleared, which. Yeah, there you <laughs> um, go. Kind of a bold choice to make there. <laughs> right. Yeah, there you go. So, I mean, how do we see the result of this match go? It's interesting because on one hand, you would think Soraya would not possibly lose her first match in years her first match in the promotion. But on the other side, you got, you know, Britt leaning into this baby face character. You know, does Soraya do something? Does she somehow turn heel in the match to really put Baker over as the baby face and to win, but turning, you know, full on heel in the process? Uh, what do you think, Jesse? This is one of two women's matches where I don't envy Tony Khan and his booking decision is specifically because of the babyface promo that Britt cut, even though she's a clear-cut heel, she's a much better heel than she is a babyface. She just doesn't play that role quite well, even though that was in the infancy stages of her AEW days. I do believe Soraya has to go over here, as this is her debut match. She hasn't wrestled in five years. I think I think Britt's going to do the best that she can to protect her to make sure that there aren't any injuries. I do think it's going to be a fun match. I just am very concerned that this, again, is one of two matches where the crowd may not like the outcome of it, especially if Soraya does win. And I guess needless to say, it's just kind of something that Tony Khan needs to be prepared to answer backstage in the scrum because I would assume if Soraya or Britt Baker wins that they're going to be a part of the scrum just because mm -hmm. that, that this match is a headliner. It's not even for a women's championship, which is, yeah, I think it's awesome yeah. to see that we get three women's matches on the card. Yeah. That will be really interesting with the crowd response because, you know, all the, the discussion that's always been over the years, how, you know, like WWE wise, WrestleMania, you get you know, kind of a different crowd because it's such a fly in crowd for that major event, you know, Rofter Mania, what always happens there with the crowd. All of these AEW pay-per-views are the hardest of hardcore AEW fans. They do a huge fly-in crowd for every one of their pay-per-views since there's only, you know, one every quarter. So if you have the hardest of hardcores, I could see them, depending on how they respond throughout the match, maybe kind of booing the finish. But I agree with you. Push come to shove. First match in five years. Yeah. I mean, logic would tell you Soraya goes over here. What do you think, Matthew? I think Soraya has to go over and I don't think it's going to be a decision that people are going to be happy with. I I don't sense that Soraya is that familiar with the world outside of WWE. Um, <laughs> I've certainly gotten that sense uh, from watching her uh, performances over the last over the last uh, few weeks, especially her promo, her introductory promo was one of the worst segments that 
I I think AEW's had all year. Um, oh yeah, that was pretty brutal. And and I, I mean, it's going to sound really disrespectful to uh, obviously Tokyo Dome performer Soraya, but I <laughs> I just I you just can't come in as hard as you can and just pretend that none of the accomplishments that uh, the people have had on this roster, especially going through all the growing pains that it's had, mm-hmm. have been for nothing. And now that you're here, it's suddenly something special. That's going to rub, well, it's obviously rubbed Brit the wrong way because <laughs> we've seen how Brit's responded to it. But Hell of a promo by Brit, too. That was a great Oh, yeah. yeah. Angry Brit turn, tends to turn out a good performance when she's, <laughs> when she's pretty pissed off about stuff. Yeah. But it also does something against the fans. And you've heard it a couple of times with her segments where she'll – it seems like she's on the right track, and then she gets a line in there that's completely out of left field, and then everybody kind of goes quiet. They don't really want to boo her because – great that she's back but mm-hmm. at the same time they don't like it so i, I think she's going to go over it's just it kind of puts you in a really weird spot yeah no i i am very curious to watch this one just based on the crowd response you know let alone to see how soraya does in the ring after the time off it's, it's going to be an interesting watch for sure uh, let's let's flip the coin then and go to the aw women's interim championship match you know brit's protege there jamie hater taking on her friend that they've leaned into they were good friends in the past tony storm who has the title i you know uh, you alluded to this a second ago here jesse and not wanting to be tk making this decision you know i assume you were talking about this one and not jade cargill (laughs) Um, this is yeah this is a really tough call because jamie hater has been a, a bright spot on this roster the crowd has really been behind her you know, they were really behind her at All Out. Uh, I've seen this at numerous AEW shows I've been at. Boy, I mean, you had Double or Nothing as well. I personally would probably pull the switch here. I, I think I would I would put the title on her. I, I might be going out on a limb here, but I've said on this show many times before that I've always felt you got to strike when the iron's hot. And she's maybe cooled off a little bit in recent weeks, but she had a ton of steam. And do you let it all pass? You know, Tony Storm, you know, obviously could have the belt on her all the way uh, uh, through the injury until Thunder Rosa gets back. But I just really like the idea of of Jamie Hayter as the uh, interim champion. I don't really particularly like having interim champions. I think it should have just be the women's title and it should have been a forfeit given the amount of time that Thunder Rosa is going to be off here. But at this moment in time, Jesse, I'll throw it to you. I would actually go with Jamie Hader. What are your thoughts? I get that Tony Khan's probably waiting for Thunder Rosa and Tony Storm to unify the AW Women's World Championship. Yet, you're going to have an acclaimed all-out situation if Jamie Hader does not win at full gear. You nailed it, that the fans are clamoring for her to have her moment and get that championship. She it, she can sell better than, I'd say, 90 to 95% of the women's roster. You could argue she's the tip top. She has a lot of experience from overseas. She was 
she did an, ex- an excursion at Stardom. I believe it's probably where her and Tony Storm met. She has experience. She can definitely go. She doesn't have to play the apprentice to Britt Baker forever. This could turn into kind of a Shawn Michaels Diesel situation, but this is a more talented Diesel in the ring as opposed to yeah, as, as opposed to Kevin Nash back in the mid nineties. I I would go Jamie Hader here, and I think again, much like if you go Britt Baker, if uh, Soraya wins uh, her match, I think if Tony Storm does retain that you're gonna have a lot of backlash and a lot of questions to answer at the scrum if if uh if jamie wins do they go soraya versus jamie like quickly then and then you know use brit in the build up there obviously you could go that way they could also play a little jealousy factor and have mm-hmm. rit baker and jamie hater finally go one-on-one you guys alluded to it on your trn grand slam show that the Britt Baker Jamie Hader split was coming, but they just totally pushed it to the side because Soraya was walking in, into the promotion. People yeah. have now had short term memory loss and forgotten about that. So you could go Baker Hader right away for a title program, even though Baker is likely going to lose here on coming Saturday. Off night. A loss. Yeah. Matt, your thoughts? Oh, boy. Um, first off, I. I don't envy Tony Storm's position. It must be very difficult to be facing your fourth or fifth best friend in a row for the AEW Women's <laughs> Championship. Um, yes. it, it, that seems to be the main story that that we're getting out of Tony Storm's title reign. She just keeps fighting her friends. She's a popular gal. She's really popular. Everyone wants to be it, around Tony Storm. I can't blame them. Except Thunder Rosa. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, except Thunder Rosa. But if you listen to the backstage chatter, maybe a lot of people don't want to be around Thunder Rosa. (laughs) I, oh boy, this is the main thing that sticks in my mind is once again, another comment from the media scrum is Tony has talked about abandoning the interim uh, title thing for the women because nobody knows what's going to. Ooh, when uh, Thunderosa is going to be back, and boy, wouldn't that just suck for Tony Storm to be on what honestly has been a really good run for a champion. Mm-hmm. Um, to have it constantly mired by this interim distinction, and then they drop the interim distinction right after they drop you as champion. That is just the worst. Yeah. Um. I could see uh, I could see something similar happening with the crowd turning if um, if Hater comes up short on this one. On the other hand, though, I think there's enough of a creative avenue where you could actually pull it off because Hater's not fully committed to a face turn yet. She hasn't had that big moment, and what you and I think that could be the way out on this one that allows Tony to retain, but you still get the satisfaction of knowing that Jamie is now firmly a baby, uh, firmly a baby face. She may be finally going to get her hands on Brit and you could, and then she can cycle back to Tony storm down the road. And this time you're going to have, uh, kind of what MJS saying is I'm going to go, go for it clean. Mm. Yeah. Do not envy Tony Khan here. 
making this decision. It's a tough call either way. I could see it going either way. Like I said, I'd go Jamie Hader, but I mean, there's arguments both ways. It's it's a difficult choice, which I guess, you know, that's a good thing too. You know, it shows you do have some stars on the rise in that women's division, the much maligned uh, AEW women's division, you know, over the years. And and let's, let's keep it there. Let's go to the uh, TBS title match. Jade Cargill, Nyla Rose, and boy, I don't know. This was a little bit uh, risky matchmaking, I think, for a couple of reasons. Now, it's it's cooled off Jade, certainly, a little bit, I think. Are we all, I'm, I'm assuming we're all on the same page. We all see Jade Cargill as, as this big star in the women's division one day. She is not the biggest star right now. That's something that Kyle and I kind of go back and forth on. Britt Baker's clearly a bigger star than Jade Cargill right now. But I do think Jade Cargill could surpass everybody and potentially should surpass everybody. Um, at the same time, you know, I've, I've seen Jade work in person a few times and she's still very green in the ring. I feel like you got to protect her and she can even look bad a little bit in the ring. And Nyla Rose, not exactly a ring general. I mean, look, it's, it's been a couple of years, Jesse, you were there. That match with Statlander at revolution was very bad. And so that's why I said it's it's kind of risky matchmaking. It, it has not done Jade any favors in the build. Uh, obviously, Jade Cargill is going to win here. Um, but what, what do you make of what, what I just said, Jesse? Shout out to Nyla Rose, by the way, making chicken salad out of chicken shit. I actually think this story was... It's not for everyone, but it was actually well-constructed. And it made Nyla interesting for... A month and a half. She, she's a very talented performer. It's, it's just pulled, that it's pulled her up. Maybe not done the same for Jade. I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I agree with you there too. Jade, you, yeah. Her her star has dropped a little. It's diminished a little bit, and I think that's okay at this moment. Just because you, you mentioned her in ring work still is a little to be desired. Maybe she has to get, to go back and start working with Brian Danielson a little bit more. I I don't know, but. It's, it, it's going to take time, and that's fine. They have a little bit of time. She's eventually going to be the top woman in the promotion. She has the crossover appeal that I feel Britt has it too, but Jade could channel some more avenues that Britt can't quite touch. So mm-hmm. the obvious the obvious deal here is Jade is definitely going to walk away. No, no questions asked. Is TBS champion get her physical title back? And then we can move on. But again, shout out to Nyla Rose for at least doing some compelling enough character work that I'm I'm actually going to sit down and probably enjoy this match, even if it could be a car wreck. Yeah, yeah. I think you know you look at Britt and you look at Jade, and, and the difference there is is Jade has that instant wow factor. Like if you if you were scrolling through the channels and you've never seen these people before, and you scroll across Britt Baker. You know, like you got to watch her a little bit to understand why she's a special talent. Whereas Jay just has that, who is this person? Just based on how she looks and how incredibly fit she is. You know, it's just she has that star that will, it will just stop you in your tracks seeing her. And so, yeah, I agree with you. She should be the biggest star in the promotion eventually. I hope they have a good match. We'll see. Uh, Matthew? It's funny you say that about Jade because. Of all the women on this roster, Jade is the only woman that my husband pays any attention to when she's <laughs> on screen. Yeah. From the second he saw her, he he fell in love with everything that she was. 
Um, Jade's going to be winning this, and I think given some of the other matches we have on this card, I'm not... I am completely okay with this being one of the matches that maybe only gets four to five minutes. It, that seems to be a very comfortable amount of time for a Jade match, and frankly, I also don't trust Nyla in longer matches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it should be short, for sure. Uh, but yeah, the the winner is not in question whatsoever here. No. Uh, all right, let's throw it to Luchasaurus and his good buddy Jungle Boy in the steel cage. Um, Jungle Jack. Yeah, Jungle Boy Jack Perry. I uh, yeah, I, I see zero chance Jungle Boy doesn't win this match. He should uh, he should not be losing to Luchasaurus at this stage, Jesse. Yeah, Jungle Boy, I believe is going to prevail. We have to wonder if Christian Cage is going to interject himself somehow and get into this steel cage. I do like Luchasaurus athletically. I think Christian Cage is a great mouthpiece for him. So if you want to try to maybe get him into TNT land here, maybe in the next 6 to 12 months, and have Christian Cage be that mouthpiece, you could give it a try. I But... I think it's it's time. I think 2023 will be a breakout year for Jungle Boy Jack Perry. I think they just they've held him back a little bit and I mean a lot of talent has been held back just because of the punks the Danielsons and the Coles of the world that were brought into this promotion where some people unfortunately had to take steps back even though they're uber talented and maybe were deserving of more camera time but it also allowed jungle boy to grow into at least a serviceable promo now when before he was very shy in front of the camera and now he looks a little bit more comfortable so now when they give him an eventual run here maybe at a tnt title much like a luchasaurus he's he's going to be ready for it i i feel so yeah jungle boy is definitely going over here matthew yeah, there's no way that Jungle Boy is losing this. Suspect, well, sorry. Jungle Boy Jack Perry is losing this. Uh, the, the new moniker is very important because it shows character growth through changing his name. Um, I, I, think, um, I think we're going to see something interesting with Luchasaurus down, down the line, especially with Christian still being on the shelf and you obviously want somebody who is as talented at apparently hitting up people's moms as Christian is uh, to continue to be on your television. You so respect it. You got to respect. Yeah. That. You got to also respect that man's turtleneck game. It has been yes. a plus. <laughs> he understands the tactical applications of the turtleneck in ways that no other man in wrestling has ever done. You know, so, you know what I'd like to see him advance to? Sweater vests. I want to see him start rocking the sweater vest next. When I started teaching, and I was student hmm. teaching, my cooperating teacher, he said, look, man, all social studies teachers, they wear sweater vests. You can be wearing a sweater vest here in the next couple of weeks. Get is, yourself a sweater vest. It is getting the wintertime. He could marry the turtleneck with a tasteful cardigan, and it would all oh, yeah. come together. There you go. So, uh, Jungle Boy's just kind of been – he's constantly gotten the – the short end of the straw on on this program. It's time to go ahead and give him this big one. And also it's time to go ahead and see where you could go with 
with Jack Perry. I think he's been kind of sheltered enough in on this roster that it's time to start taking some chances with him and see where he could land. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. All right. So we're all on the same page there. Let's just get this one out of the way. We mentioned at the top, Jesse, uh, Jeff Jarrett and Jay lethal on this pay-per-view <laughs> sting and Darby Allen. Um, boy, I just don't want to see Jeff Jarrett winning on this pay-per-view. I know people look, I don't know. A lot of people I follow on Twitter, you know, while it's still live, I think Twitter's still working right now. Uh, they were very happy to see Jeff Jarrett. I've seen a lot of compliments to Jeff Jarrett, but I remember early TNA, and I would have to agree with what good friend of the pod, Tim Jensen, said in the Facebook group. He was the Triple H of TNA, and I just don't get the love for He's a smart guy, good for the guy, you know, making his paychecks and going around to WWE and AEW. I don't hire him to work backstage. I don't need to see this guy working a match on a AEW pay-per-view I'm paying $50 for. And he should not win under any circumstance. You you talk about guys losing steam. Uh, Darby Allen, look, man, Darby Allen and Sting go over. It's that simple. And I don't need to see Jeff Jarrett work another match in this promotion. Keep it behind the scenes, Jesse. (laughs) I have one request for this match. Please, Tony Khan, put it right behind Death Triangle and and the elite, please. Yes. <laughs> Gives me a bathroom break. Number one, number yep. two, that crowd is just going to be silent. In spite of the fact that Sting, while he has aged, he's doing amazing things at sixty-two, and Sting is going to remain. I believe he is still undefeated in AEW competition. I've never, uh, I, I've wanted him to be pinned by numerous younger talent over the last year, year and a half. But even my hatred and questioning of Jeff Jarrett being on a page pay-per-view will kind of be pushed to the side or pushed to the side for now. And I want him and Darby Allen to go over here and I, they have to, I think this is a one-off for Jarrett. He's going to go straight to the front office and then Jay Lethal, I don't know and I don't necessarily care which is sad because I actually do I do like Jay Lethal as a performer but unfortunately he just hasn't done anything too compelling for me over the last year which he debuted at Full Gear in Minneapolis Mm -hmm. with a promo so yeah Yeah. as a performer keyword I noticed he threw in there Yes, (laughs) Uh, Matthew your thoughts oh well I see we're all being a little bit harsh on J E double F J A double R E double T. Well, um, you are the host of the Southern Fried Wrestlecast. I, I am the host of. No, I I, <laughs> I I think we've buried Jeff Jarrett a couple of times already on, on our sparse <laughs> amount of episodes. Um, the man with the golden touch, the global force golden touch, uh, Jeff Jarrett is here in this promotion. He's. To the delight of, Dare we forget I think, about that. Yeah, I will never forget about that, ever. Mm. Um, he's obviously TK wanted that extra uh, surge of investment. That's why he brought him into the front office. Um, this is just going to be Darby and Sting going over, and God, I I want something new with Darby than build to tag match with Sting. This has been his uh, storyline for two years now, it seems. 
it would be nice if he got back to the TNT title at the least. I, I think there's a I think there's a high ceiling on Darby. I think he can cultivate a connection with the crowd like few others. I think especially if you're going to have MJF as the world champion, now's the time to shit or get off the pot with uh, going all the way with Darby as a single star. But I think another reason that Darby and Singer going over is because uh, KG Muto is not going to have anybody taking any losses that he's going to be teaming with for his retirement <laughs> show. Go. Okay. There you, <laughs> there you go. Perfect connection. Yeah. All right. We are pretty much all on the same page there then. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Global. Or was it global? Global Wrestling force Federation? wrestling. Global force wrestling. I can't even remember. It was so short lived. <laughs> Ain't he great? Think, ha ha. No. God. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, boy. Those minor league baseball stadiums didn't sell themselves, I guess. Uh, let's see. Let's let's not bash Jackson, Tennessee, the birthplace of, G, uh, of Global Force Wrestling too hard, okay? <laughs> yes. well. All right. Ring of Honor. You know, we've had this influx of the Ring of Honor titles. Here's one. The ROH World Championship. Chris Jericho. Taking on Brian Danielson, uh, Claudio Castagnoli, and Sammy Guevara. Boy, I I got to go with Jericho retaining. I I can't say it would totally shock me if they moved it to Brian. Um, you know, he's also a big name. There was a lot of talk about they moved it to Jericho because they were trying to get a streaming or te- or television deal for ROH, and that made sense. Brian, obviously, very big name as well. A little awkward that Brian Danielson always loses in these big matches you know since he has came to aew but i think push comes to shove he doesn't care so much about losing i just i don't really see jericho losing the title here um, so i gotta go with jericho and I, I mean this this should be a really good match and you know fatal four ways are pretty hard to lay out a good match in that scenario um but these guys can do it i think it should it should be a fun one but in the end i got jericho going over jesse Yes, I toggled back and forth between him and Brian Danielson because I feel that both of them, if you are getting Ring of Honor TV, they're both big enough names that you can jumpstart it and get some decent ratings and and people tuning in each week. With either one of them as champion, you have a face, you have somebody you recognize, even if it is Brie Bella's husband. He's very talented, as we all know. He he's arguably one of the top three to five world's greatest wrestlers could be a Mount Rushmore candidate too. But Chris Jericho is just, I think, the little bit larger name, I think, from a mainstream appeal. And I'm I'm going to go that route. I'm just curious. And I know why Sammy Guevara is in this match. I know there's some political things going on with him. Uh, obviously, backstage, I'm sure Jericho has has the pull, and that's why he's there. So I'm, I'm just kind of curious like what his role is going to be in this match. And... They need to at some point in time, if they if he wants to resurrect his career, he needs to get a, get away from his actual wife on Ty Conti on screen and yes. go off on his own. <laughs> yes, and we said that right from the start. Not not good for television, Matthew. Um, your thoughts? I can't believe you would argue for that man to get away from Ty Conti. That just seems horribly unfair for the guy. Um, <laughs> they can keep posting on Instagram. It's fine. Oh, God, their 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 Instagram is 
almost as obnoxious as her in-ring personalities. Um, <laughs> they, can be, they, can be, they can be together as much as they want on there. I just don't need it on television. So I think if the goal here is to secure the ROH steaming, uh, streaming deal, it's probably still going to stay on Jericho. Jericho is a bigger name than Brian Danielson. He was on The Masked Singer uh, this season, after all. Um, just got eliminated from The Masked Singer <laughs> this season. Um, I mean, he's an Attitude I, Era guy. A lot more people were watching yeah, wrestling in that era when you know he was undisputed champion and everything. So, yeah. He's a big, the, big the, name. Crossover appeal with music. Uh, of course, uh, who who all all the music fans just rave about their Fozzie albums and uh, hotly debate their top five Fozzie songs. You want to you um, know something funny about that? My, <laughs> I've said this many times on the pod. My wife does not like pro wrestling. I've tried very hard in the 12 plus years we've been together. She loves Judas. She loves that <laughs> song. And she's not a hard rock person at all. I mean, just the most pop music you could ever uh, find. But uh, the other... <laughs> The other day, she was very mad about something. I won't say what it was, but she was mad about something. And she was texting me. She was like, yeah, I was so mad. I was blasting Judas in the car. <laughs> I laughed so hard. Sans kids, I hope. Yeah, no kids. No kids are worth her. Yes, yes. This was during the day. But um, yeah, she I mean, she likes she likes Fozzie. Doesn't like pro wrestling. And I got to imagine there's other people out there who have heard the song. And like, oh, yeah, they know Chris Jericho for that. So. The main reason I'm going with Jericho on top of the streaming deal thing is I'm just thinking to myself about how unsatisfying of a way it would be to crown, to get the ROH title on Brian Danielson. It would be doing it in a four way where he's potentially like beating Sammy Guevara or, or even beating Claudio. It just does not feel like a very satisfying way to, um, get the belt, a very meaningful belt in Danielson's career back on him. Um, This match is going to probably be really good. You have three excellent workers. You have Sammy in there who is young and stupid enough to do whatever it takes. (laughs) So uh, it'll it'll be a great show. I just don't, I'm not blown away by four ways that much, but Mm -hmm. at the same time, uh, I wasn't, sure what Jericho's uh, singles opponent could have been bring in Loki I guess <laughs> if he wants to continue his uh, way of defeating former ROH champions yeah Eddie would have petitioned for homicide oh homicide yeah. would be so good we're, yeah. we're eventually going to get Jericho versus homicide I feel it yeah Probably not. Probably not Jericho versus Austin Aries, but <laughs> I, I, there's another guy I don't need to see on national television. No, nope, nope no, I do not. Nope. Um, all right, so yeah, we're all on the same page. Probably be a really good match. Four ways aren't my favorite thing in the world, just like you said, Matthew. But uh, yeah, Jericho retaining makes a lot of sense. Real quick before we move on, where's Daniel Garcia? My gosh, was he hot for like a month, month and a half, and now he's on a milk carton. He should be. Yeah. Will he interject himself into this match? I I would love to know. I I'm super curious where they go with him. He's he's sorting out some some deep issues right now. I mean, he has a very complicated life. He's living. He he is obviously a naturally gifted sports entertainer, but his two fathers are put 
are which his two fathers are pushing him towards, but all he wants to be is a wrestler. So the man's <laughs> got to figure it out. But at the same time, he, he knows that the money is in the sports entertainment, as as Daddy Magic has told him on many occasions. <laughs> yeah, he has not worked dynamite since October 26th. He's been on Dark three times since then and worked a PWG show. So. Which you'll see in six months. Yes. <laughs> Is he still champion? Get on that. Uh, get on that wow. list. He uh, just won he the title. Yeah. Like yeah. Uh, the show prior to this. So yeah. He worked uh, Jonathan Gresham at uh, the November sixth show. Awkward. <gasps> Number ten PWI rated John Jonathan Gresham. <laughs> we know that was a great exit from the old AEW. Oh technical masterpiece at least it's probably what it was but again we will see that in may of 2023 <laughs> yeah get on that dvd Wait. list yes um all right tnt title triple threat wardlow samoa joe powerhouse hobbs what is it they say what is it the young kids say big dude slapping meat or something like that i mean that's, what, that's slapping meat yeah that's what we have here um don't really see Wardlow losing the title. Uh, should be a pretty damn physical, fun watch, I think. Um, what'd you guys think of Joe's promo on Wednesday night? Jesse, what'd you think of that? I enjoyed it. He did the best he can to play the heel role, and the crowd was having none of it. He's yep. gonna be he's gonna be the tweener in this match. Mm-hmm. Maybe the f- well, no, I can't say maybe the face because Wardlow, I think it will be. But Hobbs is definitely the distinguished heel in this. About, I'm going Wardlow. I partially I wanted to go Powerhouse Hobbs here because I'd, I'd like to see him with a TNT title run, and he's actually done a pretty solid job over the last few months. In spite of the fact that, if I recall, his last TV match was against Ricky Starks on Rampage, and he lost. So, I mean, that's how you cool off a, a locomotive: is you you have him go fifty fifty. But it but, was a lights out match, so it doesn't count. <laughs> hey, that's what they did to Adam Cole a while back. That's right, with Orange Cassidy. Yeah. So, you, Matthew, you make all the sense in the world. Let's go. Let's go with Wardlow here. Over, he's gonna. I think he's gonna pin Samoa Joe. Even though I know there's a Ring of Honor pay per view coming down the pipeline in three or four weeks, and what a shocker, Tony Khan burying. Well, not burying, but uh, having a ring of honor performer job on an AEW pay-per-view because we <laughs> talked about Jay lethal doing it here a couple of uh, matches ago. So, well, it's kind of unfortunate that he, he sees ring of honor right now, the way that Vince McMahon saw WCW when he acquired it in 2001. Ooh, harsh words there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the kind of book yourself in the situation where there's not really a good answer with these guys. Cause I, I agree. I think Wardlow should win. But for the reasons you guys just laid out, I don't really think Hobbs should be taking a loss here. I, I love the fire Hobbs has been showing lately. He's grown as a performer a lot over the last year. So it's got to be Joe. But unfortunately, yeah, he's the ROH TV champion. So yikes. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you, though. Wardlow, Pitt, and Samoa Joe. Matthew? Yeah, I I don't know why this had to be a three-way match. I I think you could have just ran this as Wardlow versus Powerhouse and 
then belt to like Wardlow versus Joe for the ROH pay-per-view uh, with Joe turning like the next Dynamite or something. I, I, I don't get why we had to get uh, Joe turning on Wardlow right now at this moment. Um, boy, that was not a good sentence. Um, anyways, the other thought I had when he was cutting his promo because he, he attacked Wardlow when Wardlow said, I'm going to take all the titles in this promotion. And then Joe attacks him. And I was like, you don't have a belt in this promotion. You're fine. He wasn't going to come at you. Yeah. <laughs> now, I I think, actually, there's a chance that we could get Hobbs as a TNT champion. I, I think this is a good time to kind of go with it and see what you can get with Hobbs. And then you could transition into uh, Wardlow chasing Joe for the ROH uh, television title. So would you have Hobbs pin Joe? I would have Hobbs pin Wardlow. Mm, okay. Well, that's how you go all the way with the guy, I guess, yeah. if you're going to try it out. Yeah, if you're... Look, if you're going to start... Trying to elevate some of these guys, gotta commit to it. Don't half ass. Yeah, love that logic, Matthew. Because we, Kyle, you says this all the time. I'm sure Ryan, you do too. Is they are really afraid to elevate some of these high mid, these high mid card guys. They get stuck in this kind of. It's like you need you need a couple more players in this promotion as opposed to being afraid to beat somebody like give somebody that rub and powerhouse Hobbs would be a great one i think warlow i i I feel the same way about so but i do like your takes on this too i it's awkward though because wardlow's still on that stage right like he's still being elevated so i i would counter that wardlow is still in that that phase of they're trying to continue to elevate him, which is why I wouldn't beat him here. But I mean, I can understand why you'd want to also elevate Hobbs. But I'd, I'd keep Wardlow strong here for a while longer, personally. But I do think probably, what is it, Final Battle is the <laughs> pay-per-view. Um, Joe will, whoever he works on that show, will probably come out of this match. Well, we'll see. But, yeah. <laughs> All right. I think that leaves us with, I mean, we didn't talk about... Um, and honestly, that, that's but. another thought to consider. If if the ROH streaming deal is as close to being finalized as it seems like it could be, mm-hmm. um, Tony's talked about it as possibly hearing something in early 2023 about it. You're going to need some people there that aren't just Chris Jericho or Samoa Joe or whoever else else you had lying around from the old ROH shield uh powerhouse Hobbs being uh somebody that you move over to ROH and give him a monster run there is not the worst idea yeah that's true yeah it's a good take Okay, um, so we didn't talk about this. We will have, this is the pre-show match in the Eliminator Tournament semifinals, Cage versus Archer or Ricky Starks. Um, We kind of talked about how the tournament's going to end up when we brought in the Ethan Page discussion earlier. Um, I mean, I think think this will be Ricky Starks taking on Cage and uh, go with Ricky Starks. You guys, any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's it's Ricky Starks' world, and I'm just living in it. <laughs> a fair a fair take, yes. I, 
I mean, just like I said with Hobbs, you're, you want to elevate these guys, start elevating them. Ricky, it is long past time that this guy is, is to be shot up the card. I was mm-hmm. thinking that when he was still the FTW champion, I was thinking, when are we going to get a real belt on this man? Yeah. And he's ready for it. Yeah, I agree. Did we talk Death Triangle Elite? No, we, we got that one. I was going to finish on that one. The big return. Um, yeah, for the AEW World Trios titles. So the Elite obviously <laughs> held them for a couple of days, and then they were vacated. They never lost them. Here they are taking on the Death Triangle. Uh, probably going to be the match of the night, not just because you got six great performers in the ring together, but you got to imagine the Elite's coming back with... <laughs> You know, all systems firing. They want to make a point with this match. It's going to be a hell of a match. Uh, this is going to be a kind of a difficult card to lay out, I think, you know, because like you alluded to earlier, Jesse, you know, you wanted Jeff Jarrett going on after this one. Um, boy, this is going to be a tough one to follow. So, yeah, give me the Jeff Jarrett piss break match after this, as you said. Uh, <laughs> boy, I am really, really excited to see these guys back. Um, you know, I've, I think the promotion has put on some pretty... And again, this is something Kyle and I have went back and forth on, on the pod. But overall, I think AEW's had some pretty good TV in the last couple of months. Uh, not their best television ever, but I think pretty cohesive in building this card. And, you know, I can't really say, yes, they skipped a beat because they lost star power. But the shows have been pretty good overall. So, you know, you add these guys back into the mix and it really gets me excited to watch television again throughout the summertime. I think the Elite win the titles here. I I think it would be absolutely insane to have them come back after this layoff and the investigation and for them to lose to Death Triangle. It would just make absolutely no sense. They have to win the titles here. Don't you guys think, Jesse? Yes. Match of the night in ring by a mile, I think. I The chemistry, the Young Bucks and the Lucha Bros that they've displayed over the course of the last... Six years, because I think they started in PWG with their with their bouts and then moved to AEW with the double or first, double or nothing, and then the all-out with the ladder match, and then, of course, the steel cage, which you were in attendance for. Mm-hmm. Do, do they ever not put on a five-star performance? It's it's incredible. And then Omega and Pac as well. Look at their 30-minute draw that ended up going to overtime. They had yeah. a pretty good match at all-out in 2019, too. So the six men have electric chemistry. And, I mean... I don't necessarily know from a story. I guess the, the story here is the elite returning from suspension, but this is one of those matches where I don't necessarily need a story. I'm going to watch six of the most world-class performers do what they do best, and I'm going to be highly entertained. Yeah, well said. Matt? Yeah, that, there's. I, I kind of feel like I have to echo a lot of you guys' statements because uh, you're just making great points all along. Um the elite are definitely going over. This is the Death Triangle title run. While it's it's been good, it it, it was just a stopgap more or less. Yeah. And I think the whole reason that they're really leaning now into uh, Pack being the full heel compared to the Lucha Bros is because that's how they're going to kind of get out of this. Uh, is that we're going to probably get. A bit of a pack solo run, I feel coming out of this, and Lord knows that I'm looking forward to that. He's another one of those guys that it kind of feels like you could be doing way, way more with, but 
for various reasons. They just haven't had a chance to, and now it seems to be a good time. The I'm looking forward to having the Elite back wrestling on television. I can't say I'm looking forward to more uh, friendship lore, as I've uh, taken to calling it. I, I don't care about the Elite, uh, Hangman, Omega drama that's going to probably play out another 36 chapters. To me, it's like the Ross and Rachel of professional wrestling. I, <laughs> I, I, I don't care who you're sitting and catering with. Just, just please, I, TK, if you're listening to this, if there's anything to hammer a reset button on, it's everything involving the elite storyline direction. Get them to tell stories that isn't this story for a while. Please. <laughs> Brandon Cutler is videographer. Wonderful. Yes. <laughs> uh, yep. You know what the I was originally thinking it could maybe it wasn't the elite being teased for a return on some of those videos they were showing because they were too tightly edited to be Brandon Cutler. <laughs> you know, um, I guess Tony Connie can pull out the scribbles in his notebook and basically resume whatever was planned for these guys after they won the titles and all out with the exception of if Adam Page is factored in because, you know, it's that's the elephant in the room as Page's injury was about a month ago, almost exactly as we record. Oh, that's not the only elephant in the room. There was a I have a feeling there was another big plan for these trio titles that is just not going to come to fruition right now. And that was them uh, going against um Adam Cole's crew, which yeah. I don't, uh, I will just say undisputed era for the sake of simplicity because they were just undisputed era in AEW. But uh, Kyle's out with from neck fusion surgery. Adam Cole is uh, still is still playing Super Mario RPG or something right now, and Bobby Fish is gone. <laughs> so <laughs> that's one whole. Uh, feud that they were that they were building to that they su- dedicated a significant amount of their television time to that they're just never going to do now yeah cutting promos and impact that make it feel like you're watching a silent film <laughs> <laughs> it was very reminiscent of that bischoff scissors line wasn't it <laughs> where yeah yeah it's been what uh five months since we've seen adam cole wrestle yeah yeah sonic frontiers just dropped too he's got a busy schedule (laughs) he's got a lot to look forward to (laughs) he's the kyler murray of AEW. (laughs) pokemon scarlet and violet are out he's we should see if chugs is streaming right now (laughs) yeah i don't want to make light of it because the concussion really for him to be out this long from the concussions is mm-hmm. very, very serious. But also on the there's kind of a weird thing to think about with this, where if you had brought Adam Cole back before having the elite firmly back in the mix, what do you do with Adam Cole? Because mm. he's yeah, been it's... so tied in on the elite melodrama for his entire run here so far that 
it kind of would feel weird to branch him off and have him doing something else. Yeah. I mean, because we, you know, obviously we never got the follow with him and Kenny from Full Gear last year in the aftermath of that. But yeah, Disputed Era was supposed to play into that. And yeah. It I mean, maybe back it's to me Orange being Cassidy. Op- I don't know. <laughs> maybe it's me being optimistic, but maybe part of the holdup with Adam Cole isn't just concussion related. It's just kind of been waiting for stars to align again and have a good story for him to come back to. Because if if he came back right now, if he came back at any time before, then he's just, I guess the best that you'd have him doing is being, uh, is being a title contender for John Moxley, which he would probably have lost, and that's another big loss for Adam Cole. Yeah, I mean, I think you want to see him work Kenny, but that's not going to happen with the trio situation. So you can't really bring him in at that point. I mean, you could still do a single suit on the side, I guess, but that's not optimal. So you say that you say they can't do the trios, but there is a trio there for Adam Cole to come back to. They Jeff did Jared just recently. Oh, of course. <laughs> um, they did just bring in Mike Bennett and Matt Taven. Uh, yeah, there you go. Adam Cole could reunite the kingdom. That's true. That is true. Well, we'll see. I am I am very much looking forward to this show. I can't say I'm looking forward to it more than the last two pay-per-views since I was there in attendance in Vegas with the boys and, and doing the show in Las Vegas, which was awesome, and then seeing you and hanging out with you in Chicago, Jesse. But I am glad that we can watch the show together in person, so it'll be a lot of fun. I think the this has very high potential going in. I mean, as we've talked about, there's going to be some really, really standout matches, hopefully. And Matt, I'm glad we could have you on the podcast to talk about it for the first time, too. It was really nice having you on here and introducing you to the listeners. And I, I appreciate you taking the time here on Thursday night to talk a little pro wrestling, my friend. Yeah, I'm always happy to talk about some pro uh, wrestling, as I call it on my show, because I have no shame. Um <laughs> Can the listeners find you on social media? Or you got anything to promote with your podcast before we let oh, you go? Oh, well, as far as social media goes, no, you cannot find me on social media <laughs> because I stay off of it. Social media is the devil and will <laughs> and will ruin your mind and steal your soul. Uh, however, if you do want to be generous and uh, take a listen to my podcast, Southern Friday, as me and my wonderful co-host who has absconded to Africa for the past couple of weeks. Um, we should be having a couple of episodes dropping soon. Just out of the blue, we decided to talk about the Observer Hall of Fame. I'm completely unprepared. So it was a wonderful, wonderful chance to make a complete ass out of myself. But you could check... <laughs> You can check out the Southern Fried WrestleCast on Podbean. We're also on Spotify and Google Podcasts. If you want to send me any uh, any feedback or potential hate mail, you can email us at southernfriedwrestlecast at gmail.com. Very good. Well, thank you, sir. And as always, I appreciate your patronage of the show and, and being a strong supporter of what we're doing here, too. So this was a blast. Jesse. Where can the listeners find you, as always, uh, and why should they make sure to listen to the show you recorded earlier today? Jesse C. Velasquez on Twitter. Wrestling you in the letter U on Twitter. Google, Apple, and Spotify is where you can find said show. 
We dropped episode 100. I'm going to drop it live here probably in 45 minutes, but it was a special episode where I saluted a lot of Top Rope Nation, just the community itself, Ryan, Justin, and Kyle, who have all been guest hosts on said show with me. And we, as a touching little seven and a half minute tribute to start the show. And since I don't have, there won't be any surprises, I'll just tell you them now. My co host from a, another generation's past, Maria Rose, made an appearance for about 20 minutes. Nice. So you get to, yeah, tap into some old school wrestling, Unplugged and Undeniable. And you finish with Blue Wire Network's own Andreas Hale and Kel Dansby previewing AEW Full Gear with me and they do an incredible job i'm sure if you've heard them on the blue wire network and the corner podcast is is a wonderful wonderful podcast that i always try to promote they do a great job in the wrestling space as well as mma and boxing as both of them cover it for sporting news and espn respectively so that is a great place to start as episode 100 and it's about the same length as this show is going right now so Back-to-back on a Saturday morning or split your viewings Friday-Saturday with Top Rope Nation first. Very (laughs) cool. I will definitely check it out. I try to never miss an episode. You did great work over there. I told you that long ago that uh, I really believe in what you're doing. It's a quality show, and I always promote it to people whenever they ask me what's a a pro wrestling podcast that I should check out. In addition to Top Rope Nation, it's like Jesse Velasquez, hardworking dude. You're involved in so much stuff, whether it's, you know, fitness industry, of course, but also writing. Uh, you do a fitness podcast, too, um, on the side, the wrestling podcast. So, I mean, you're doing a lot over there. You're a hardworking guy. And, and when people are doing that kind of, you know, trying to juggle that many things, I try to do my best to promote them. And, uh, yeah, you do a great job, man. Thank you. I've been promoting Top Rope Nation ever since we met all about a year ago now. And yeah, I consider you guys to be a brotherhood. So any time that I can simulcast with with you here or be a guest host, it's it's still again that new car smell has not worn off and I don't think it ever will. So thank you again, Ryan. And we met because you won a contest. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, what are the odds? You won the free pay-per-view on our Twitter contest. That's how we spoiler met, right? spoiler alert, Ryan. I mentioned that on the podcast. Oh, did you? There you go. Well, I will definitely listen. I'm looking forward to it. All right, everybody. Well, you can find me at Ryan Drosty on Twitter. The show is at Top Rope Nation. If you got any hate mail, direct that at TRP Kyle. That's <laughs> Kyle Ross. Let him know. <laughs> and uh, as I said. The Patreon bonus shows are out there. You can find the link in the broadcast description. You will get a teaser of that here on the main feed in a couple of days, just so we can let this one breathe. But if you want to hear it right now, patreon.com slash top rope nation. So this has been episode 274. We'll be coming back at you probably on Sunday with a review of AEW full gear. So until then, for Jesse Velasquez, for Matthew, I am Ryan Drosty. We'll talk to you again real soon. Take care.